0: To that's absurd, please elaborate. I am one of your hosts, Trace, and I am also one of your hosts, Julian. And we have a third one of our hosts joining us this week.
1: <laughs> I, I am the third one of the hosts, <laughs>
0: Vanessa Hill, Braincraft, <laughs> oh, that's uh, me. S- what, Sleeping with Friends. That
1: was a show that I made. Trace was in yes. that show, so very appropriate shout out.
0: I was
2: a YouTube original series. Well, I did more of the judging of the sleep, uh, and and Vanessa did the hosting of the sleep, I guess. It was really the
0: contestants that did the sleeping with each other. Oh, okay. So Trace likes to watch when people are sleeping. In a
1: judgmental way. Yeah. He's taking notes. He's critiquing their form. Yeah. (laughs) Mm,
0: Nope. (laughs) Wouldn't have done that. Wouldn't have rolled over. Side sleeper? Bad form. Gonna have a shoulder problem in the morning.
1: If anyone wants to watch this YouTube original, uh, it's on my YouTube channel. It's it's a reality TV show about sleep.
0: Vanessa, for people
2: who don't know who you are, why don't you give them a brief, you know, intro?
1: I am an oldie (gasps) on YouTube. My channel's been around for 10 years, and you know used to be more popular than it is now so i think that that classifies me as a has been perhaps no less less relevant youtuber um and i'm also a phd researcher in sleep science so love to publish me some scientific articles about bedtime procrastination and sleep hygiene and insomnia and all of that fun stuff
2: This show is That's Absurd, Please Elaborate. In each episode, each host gets a question. They use their science communication knowledge or their research knowledge to be able to answer that question, no matter how silly it is. We have three different questions. One of them is about poop, sort of. One of them is going to be about how much we can figure out with just a small chunk of a human. And then the third one is how strong could a gorilla be if it did some special stuff? So stick around. We'll get all the uh, questions and all the answers, and some of those are from listeners, so if you haven't submitted a question, you can do that in the show notes or on our website. But anyway, please, Julian,
0: tell us about your poop. Okay, okay, let's wade into it. So, first of all, let me let me take you to when we're picking questions, right? As we, we go through, we have a list as listeners submit questions, right? Yeah. It populates in this list, and we can be like, oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one, right? And this one... This one caught my eye. And the question was, before the invention of toilet paper, how did people relieve their bottoms as to not clog the pipes?
1: Who writes that?
0: Immediately loved it. Love the love the topic. Love the use of the word bottoms. That's great. Yeah, right true. after spelling co- color with yeah. a u, you know, that's like the giveaway, not an American submitted. And and I didn't think, you know, I didn't look at the the listener name very closely until we were going through and then I I was like, "Oh, I really like this one. Who's the listener?" And I see Vanessa submitted that. Yes. I did. I genuinely liked it on its own merit. And then I read, it and it's it my Dr. Question. Vanessa Hill. Wait a minute, BrainCraft, like brain science, Yeah, Vanessa Hill
1: submitted a poop question to us? Long time listener, first time I
0: immediately said like... <laughs> uh... <laughs> First time one of three hosts. <laughs> and I immediately said, like, well, first of all, I want yeah. to answer it. But second, like, let's get Vanessa on the show. That'll be awesome. Let's do it. So so
1: happy to be here I, uh, to talk about bottoms.
2: She did actually include some uh, some further context as well in the notes section of uh, our submission form. I've been in some areas of Europe this week that have very old slash narrow pipes So there is a TP bin next to the toilet and a, quote, don't flush paper sign so we all don't destroy those old pipes. But when did this start being a problem? And what do people do before (laughs) we had pillowy soft? And this we're going to have to bleep, but I think it's great because she went from saying to relieve their bottom to, were (laughs) rags
1: a thing? (laughs) so what i want everyone listening to this to understand is that i'm 100% a hundred percent a rags person i'm not a relieve your bottom person i'm on team, rags. team um, rags. but but i was just more aware of that the people who might be listening may think that's crude my yep. husband falls into the category of people who think things like that are crude and i'm like no don't care he's,
0: he's very prim and proper
1: exactly
2: all right, Julian, let's find out. What did people use before the invention of toilet paper?
0: So let's go back to the beginning of humanity when paper had not yet been invented, right? But but poop most definitely had. Yes. People, people, I think it's safe to say, uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago also pooped. Now, I, I do not have a PhD, but I think this is a, a safe assumption to make. And so the question is, uh, what did they use? And I started looking. And first of all, I just want to say, I thought this was a great question. It hadn't occurred to me. But the internet seems much more interested in this topic than I had realized. Because as soon as I typed into Google, what did people use? Google auto-completed before toilet paper. Um. Have you
1: been Googling this yourself?
0: Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but not before was that, that was I
1: complete based on your search history
0: this is actually i'm getting ads now for like toilet paper brands and i'm like i gotta turn the cookies off from all these websites okay so uh yeah the in fact there are multiple sources online cottonell they have a page dedicated to it there's a whole website called toiletpaperhistory.net somebody registered a domain. If we
1: look into that registration, will it be you? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: no, I'm not. I'm not a, a scatologist, I swear. Like, it's not me this time. Yes. But uh, somebody out there made it. Somebody made a website dedicated solely to the history of toilet paper. And pretty much all these sources paint the same kind of trajectory for the history of how people relieved their bottoms so as not to clog the pipes. Obviously, we're going to start before pipes were even a thing, right? So when humans were still just out there hadn't made any sort of plumbing yet, uh and you know, still had to go, pretty much whatever was in the environment is what you would use, which makes sense, right? Like leaves, sticks, moss. Uh and then according to a lot of these sources, sand and rocks. I can't think of a worse place I'd want to put sand. I can think of one worse place, but I'm a man. So for me, I can only think of one worse place that I would want sand to go. Uh, There's even, apparently, uh, evidence that people uh, on islands or on coasts would use shells. And I'm sorry to do this to you all, but, quote, a scraping technique. I mean... Is that how the three seashells thing works? <laughs> Sally sh and she shell- seashells by the seashore.
1: She's <laughs> she cells- so abrasive. F-
0: it does. She seem seashells. very... S-
2: the scrapiness is
1: because if you can get a shell or sand, can you just go in the water? Yeah,
0: that's a great question, and we'll come back to that. Don't <gasps> we worry. We will.
1: Yes, oh, yes,
0: we will. Okay, because I've got I've got some f- to clear up so totally paper joke okay i like so, it so uh but let's start talking about okay first you know civilizations what did they use well <laughs> i'm going to share an image in oh, the chat gosh. and i'm going to also suggest we put this in our instagram i don't know if Instagram's going to be okay with it but it's his uh, historical artifact oh my but, oh wow <laughs> but what? uh wow Vanessa, did, you, did you click the link Oh,
1: I can see this. Vanessa, do you oh want to my. describe
0: what what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, it looks kind of like an ancient Egyptian-style drawing, and this guy has some kind of like a laurel wreath thing on his head, has a kind of staff, and he's squatting, and it looks like wiping his with a rock.
0: Yep, yep, you yep. pretty much nailed it. So that is a 2,700-year-old... Wow picture from a Greek drinking cup of a guy wiping his butt with a rock. Yeah. Now. That's a classy cup. That's one I have of those questions. cups that That's you put right. out when guests come over.
2: <laughs> Wait. Is this a joke coffee mug? Is this, no. what, is this a coffee mug where it's like it's, this is actually wine, but it's yeah. not that. It's like just a dude wiping his butt. and like
1: I think you could frame it. That and yeah. put it in your bathroom, like if you just have like little half bath WC situation. Beautiful artwork.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's classy because it's you know it's ancient. But like I like the idea Trace brings up of like what's up Agamemnon? Aga how
2: was your weekend? Uh, I bought my <laughs> cup to work. So.
0: <laughs> I like the idea. That this was bought from, like, the ancient Greek version of Spencer's Gifts or something, like Spenceropolis's Gifts, and it's, like, novelty mugs or something, and it's like, Amazing. hey, guy wiping his butt with a rock, you know? Uh, I also wonder if it was, like, I why would you want to put this on a drinking vessel? Like, I can't think of anything that would make me less... Appetized than like <laughs> that was so kinky in
1: ancient Greece. Really. So weird, anything, yeah. Anything goes. You never yeah, know. They're,
0: yeah, they're 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 so into it. Maybe it was a coffee mug, but coffee wasn't invented until like fourteen hundred yeah. years later. So probably not. So this depiction, though, is a, a relief. Uh, pun intended. That <laughs> shows a guy wiping his butt with stones or pesoi, which is Greek for pebbles. So apparently, the ancient Greeks used some rounded stones, some smooth stones, to wipe their bottoms. Now, there's also possible evidence that they used bits of pottery, shards of Ooh. pottery. One would hope the edges were <laughs> were not sharp so, anymore.
2: Do ancient people just have really... Robust bottoms, Man,
0: <laughs> no. That, just is, that sounds it's just great. Just full
1: of calluses. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, horrible calloused butts. Horrible hemorrhoid problems or something. I don't know, but there. There's evidence that there was um, these broken pieces of pottery and they could be used for all sorts of things the the term for pottery with like some writing etched on it as kind of like you know a notepad or something like that is called ostraca and uh if that word sounds familiar they would also use these to like write the names of say somebody that they wanted to kick out of town who was really unpopular like a politician you would like write if you would vote to kick that person out of town and you would cast your ostraca and that person would be Ostracized. Oh. Oh. But archaeologists apparently also think that you could write somebody's name on it and then, you know, clean yourself with it and it's like the ancient version of getting your enemy's face on your toilet paper and then, yeah. Or somebody you despise's face on your toilet paper and then disrespecting them in that way, apparently. Moving on a bit later in time, probably the most famous uh, ancient relief tool that people know about is the Roman one. Do either of you know where I'm going with this? What I'm talking about? I
1: do not. I do. Oh!
0: I, yeah, Trace, Trace nods his head. Trace, what do you know about uh, first of all, I will tell you what they are called. There's a, a couple words for them. There's tessorium, or it could also be xylospongium it's uh, a, which is a clue to what it is.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a. isn't it just like a stick with a rag on it? And... <laughs> Leave it next to
0: the toilet. Thank you you for adopting the scientific term of (laughs) rag. So, yeah, it it was not a rag per se. It was a sponge, a sea sponge that Mm. was attached to a stick. Now, the story that's often told is that people in Rome would use these to clean themselves. And they were in communal latrines, right? If you've ever seen the ruins of ancient mm. Roman baths, right? It's like a big open area. There's no stalls. Ew. There's no privacy. It's like... And these
1: things kind of sound like loofahs. Yeah. Which they famously do. harbor bacteria. A butt loofah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, interesting loofah. so yeah the, these were these communal bathhouses. the story that people often tell about these things is like yeah you know people would pass one around and then clean themselves with it and then you don't hey hey, hey hey athena
2: do you uh, can i get your i get Quit. your, sh- your sh- stick
0: <laughs> maximus crapicus you're hogging the, <laughs> the stick some of us have places to be i gotta get to the circus <laughs> yeah you know the Roman accent anyway, Salve yeah, that sounds that sounds like the Roman accent. That's right. how they talk. It's a dead language. Great Nobody job. knows. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, the the story that people often tell is there would be one of these in the communal latrine, and people would pass it around and they would clean themselves with it. And then, you know, you dunk it in vinegar or some briny water to disinfect. Hmm. hopefully, you know, right. And if you were wealthy A wealthy Roman You might have your own personal uh, poop rag And this time it would more literally be a rag Yeah, and it would be soaked in rose water Ooh Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, ooh So fancy Because, you know, cloth back then Everything had to be made by hand So cloth Mm -hmm. is like a very valuable material Compared to a sea sponge That you can just go and get out of the Mediterranean And put it on a stick And then, then you're done now, here's the thing. I think the tessorium was not used to clean people's bottoms. I think this mm-hmm. is a massive historical myth that's been propagated for a number of reasons that I will get into, right? Okay. First of all, and I realize I'm looking at this with a biased modern lens, but that's just gross. Like, do you real do you I, I, I don't I'm not gonna watch, you know, Maximus Crapicus clean himself. And then just wish it in a little vinegar, and then be like, "All right, I'm up, you know. Uh, yep. There's also the matter, and I don't know if the sponges that they used were different, because none survived, right? Like the sponge is material that's going to decay, the stick's going to decay. So we only know it's about a it.: Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine Think it being. Of the things in a museum? We could learn. The great crap stick from <laughs> from <laughs> Naples my God, <laughs> preserved in, in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, the crap stick. No, uh, there's just not many <laughs> historical references to them. There's none that exists today. So I don't know what sponge in particular they use, but here's what I do know about sea sponges. And that is that most species have as part of their body either some calcium carbonate or some silica, like as in glass, like little structures embedded in their body. And a lot of the times these things are spiky in order to keep predators from eating them. Hmm. Would you want to wipe with that? No. Does it
1: soften at any stage?
0: Maybe. I've I've used a sponge that's a
2: natural sponge sponge and it was pretty soft. It was soft. It was 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 soft. Well,
0: the the thing is, no, it's just kind of like not really a skeleton exactly, but it gives it some structure and it's calcium carbonate. So like the same thing seashells are made of or glass, these little bits, by the way, they're called spicules, and you can look them up like, they can be shaped like, you ever played jacks, the little, like, you know, six-pointed Ooh, jacks and stuff, or, like, three-pointed little, like, you know, stars kind of thing? Yeah, they they can be really not Spiky. great-looking to, yeah, to rub on, like, a, a most sensitive area. So why do we think the tesoriums were used by the romans well there's just not a lot of historical sources that mention them they're only mentioned in a handful of places which makes sense to me because how often do we today talk about like the exact process that we go through in the bathroom i mean there is the
2: the ToiletPaperHistory.net or whatever. So, there I mean, is, there maybe is. A, maybe a
0: lot more. Now Aside from this lot. one <laughs> lunatic on the internet. <laughs> right? But even then, like, does he detail, like, okay, and then, like, f- complete pooping, and then tear off, like, five squares, and then... No, I went to the website.
2: There's not that much there, but there is yeah. an email address if you want to reach out to them, and it, the, fir- <laughs> the first word is lioness, so she or they are very into this.
0: Fascinating, yeah, but point. like you, there's the, nobody back then was recording what they would use these things for for posterity. Point, double, pun. double entendre, pun. <laughs> <laughs> pun. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm very proud of that one. Thank you. The few examples that we have are, are there was writing from uh, Seneca the Younger, and he was talking about a gladiator, like a, a slave gladiator, who was going to be forced to fight in an arena, and he didn't want to do it. So he went into the latrine, which is one of the few places that these gladiators could have some privacy, and according to Seneca, he, and this is a, a translation, he'd said that he uh, he pushed the stick to which a sponge was attached in order to clean one's backside down his throat in order to kill himself so he wouldn't have to fight in the arena. So he, he choked oh on a poop my. stick.
1: Yeah.
0: Now the Issue is what a way like to I said, go. Th- yeah, I, he really. He, if yes. I were whoever was in charge of the gladiators, and I this guy was like, "Listen, I'm gonna go kill myself on the poop stick rather than fighting here," I'd be like, "You know what? You're free to go. I admire your your follow through, <laughs> and you don't no <laughs> no gladiator battles for you. You're good. Okay. Here's the issue, though. Is like I said, that's a translation and the actual latin that seneca used you know when he says like it was used to clean something the word he uses is obscena which could mean just a part a place that's hidden so Mm. when you think of a sponge on the end of a stick does that sound like anything in modern times in the bathroom the toilet, the toilet brush. plunger, brush, yeah, the little a, toilet p- like brush, like a toilet brush, mm. yeah. Maybe even with some these spicules that would be good for like scrubbing caked on and junk excrement, off junk. yeah, exactly. Mm. And then one of the few other places it's mentioned in a bath, uh, in a Roman bath, is a sign on a wall of one of them that says like "Don't forget to use the tesorium, Which like who's gonna forget to clean their crack? versus who is going to need to be reminded, like, hey, clean up the toilet that you just used.
2: Yeah, and the Romans were pretty good about, like, hey, there's a lot. of." It was like being in New York. There's signs everywhere telling you what you should be doing and not doing.
0: Yeah. So then you might be wondering, well, what did they use? Well, these baths had a lot of running water going through them or these latrines, right? The Romans had built aqueducts and were famous engineers, uh, civil engineers. And so they had like running waters to get rid of the excrement. It's entirely possible or even probable that they just used water like a bidet.
1: An early bidet, the first wow. bidet.
0: Exactly. So That's just like cool. some running water and you just like, you can have a bucket of it and clean yourself or, you know, you use something else, but then you clean your hand in the running water. You don't need to use a sponge on a stick. So it's a very, very yeah. common idea that Romans use this sponge on a stick. And it's kind of pointed to as like, wow, what terrible times. But it's like, uh, this might be a massive anthropological mix up that mm. we've perpetuated because it sounds like a gross Fun fact. It would make not.
1: sense if Romans invented the bidet, because, I mean, if you go to Europe and you're not from Europe, it's, you know, surprising how many bidets there are in all the hotel rooms and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. So perhaps they just came from the Romans.
0: Yeah. Ex- and, and well, later the bidet was invented in France in like the 1700s. But, you know, by this point, you've got cities that have indoor plumbing. And so it makes a lot more sense, really, when you think about it. To just clean up the thing that you're already sound- sending down a pipe with water, the thing that like easily kind of like flows along with it just to just to use a little bit more of that water. Just like maybe a little bit of pressure, clean that up, send it on its way. You don't really need a paper system. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which led me to the question. Why the frick did we start using paper in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Great.
2: Great. This is where I wanted to know
0: why why oh why because i as an american when i visit europe i remember seeing a bidet for the first time and i'm like that's so weird and gross
1: and now i'm like it's it's the other way around like now i have bidets on
0: every toilet in my house
1: i mean i also was inspired to submit this question because i had recently used trace's tushy
0: oh also not sponsoring this podcast but (laughs) they could be they could they could be i've got get in touch get in touch to tushy put send us a pushy notification and let's let's make this thing happen that's right so so yeah we we used and also another thing about the whole paper is you're putting your hand there bidet yep. turn a little water on hand doesn't go near your crack at all True. what a thought mm-hmm. what an idea Also, another revelation I had during all this is um, when the the communal baths, if people were like wiping with anything, you discover if people were stand up or sit down wipers, which you just don't know about other people in general. You know, like day to day, like half of them don't even realize the other half of people exist, which is why we need to write down our exact wiping methods for posterity. I've already
2: written it down. I put it in a sealed envelope. You can read it when (laughs) I'm dead.
0: It's in a time capsule. How <laughs> did Trace clean his butt? <laughs> and that's the only item. Yeah, it's just that. There's no, it's just no that. sentimental photographs, nothing. <laughs> 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 okay, this brings us up to, you know, let's say modern times. In North America, right, people are are using like farmers, maybe like corn cobs or whatever's to hand. And then uh, the first instance of paper being used for for hygienic cleaning purposes actually came about in china which makes sense because china is where paper making was invented Hmm. so specifically there was a scholar in china and i'm going to totally butcher his name i apologize to anybody who is fluent but his name was uh yen qi tui and he in the 6th century uh was maybe first recorded instance that we know about of using paper. He said he would use old manuscripts to clean himself, which hmm. I guess if you're a scholar... When you got, got enough paper sense. around, yeah.
2: That's uh, a yeah. luxurious wipage. <laughs> <And laughs> Here's what I think of your paper that you sent me. <laughs> Mm. Mm.
0: that's how's that for (laughs) peer-reviewed
1: it's no different to the name on the pottery is it just uh just an update
0: yeah slightly slightly less harsh update (laughs) and then in china apparently paper was used mostly by like nobles and royals and stuff in the bathroom but uh not so much among peasantry so this brings us to uh modern day let's say america and the invention of commercial toilet paper. So paper that the whole point was to sell to other people so they could use it to clean their backsides in the bathroom. And the inventor of toilet paper, according to historyoftoiletpaper.net, is (laughs) Joseph C. Gaiety. And he invented originally what was called medicated toilet paper. Whoa. Yes. And the ad for it is bonkers. It reminds me of like modern day... Terrible, like infomercial product that's telling oh. you that everything else is bad for you. Like total woo-woo. Please, send like it to me. I trust yeah. me, I'm the Please. real doctor. I want to read okay, it. Okay, so I I've found it. a link, and you can you can scroll down to it. Uh, when you see the old-timey newspaper. Let me post that in the chat. Can you do your best, like, 19, 1860s, like, carnival barker? The greatest necessity of the age. Gaiety's medicated <laughs> paper
2: for the water closet. Read and learn what is an ordinary paper. Many people have wooed their own destruction, physical and mental, by neglecting to pay attention to ordinary matters. Few would believe that a beautiful enameled card contains a quantum of arsenic with other chemicals. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: arsenic. what
0: I tell you? Okay, it goes on for a while. Wow, this is long.
1: There are so many words in this ad.
0: So many words. (laughs) But it's all about how the current paper that people are using will poison you. Oh, the ink and paper. I guess people were using newspapers Newspaper? or something. I oh guess. my god. You wouldn't put that in your mouth, let alone near your delicate areas. You wouldn't. goes on <laughs> and on and on. on. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you wouldn't steal <laughs> a car. You wouldn't You don't know me, government <laughs> warning at the beginning of my DVD <laughs> and Gayety's toilet paper ad. You don't know that's what amazing. I get up to in there. That's really good. So yeah, he invents this product that's specifically meant for wiping a it's targeted towards people with like hemorrhoids, so it's supposedly you know medicated, but like Amazing. 1860s. Yeah, so it had cocaine on it. You're telling me it was
2: it was either it was yeah, either it opium cocaine. or cocaine or some kind <laughs> of like. And
0: that's why toilet paper white. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So this this guy sells medicated toilet paper and it doesn't really become a commercial success and he's chugging along until you know the 1890s and and he sells the rights off and then a few decades later in the 1930s it finally becomes like a commercially available thing they've invented like the terrible sheets but my favorite thing the product that really changed the game apparently was the northern tissue company's quote unquote splinter free toilet paper Oh God! Oh, oh no! Why did they have to
1: specify? Oh, oh. that sounds like an ancient Roman problem. Yeah, uh, it does. And the ancient hey, Romans come full are like, circle. "Use a bidet."
0: No, don't oh. put the sponge stick up your butt. What is wrong with you, modern <laughs> that's Americans? For, that's for cleaning the toilet. That's the toilet brush. You Honestly, though, toilet brush probably people. would work. Brilliant. Yeah, Ooh. you wouldn't want to use it, you know, like it'll in a pinch, in a jam. Yeah, Ugh, maybe, but don't. In a jam. So, yeah, they had to specify Amazing. that they, their toilet paper was splinter, splinter free. free. Try our toilet paper horrible. now with 100%
2: fewer splinters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awful! Wow. Awful! Wow. But for the most part, and still in many many parts of the world, right? It toilet paper's not the go-to. Mm. It was a recent American invention, supposedly for medical reasons, and then I guess it just became popular. But pretty much everyone else is like, we got water, or if you're the ancient Greeks, rocks for some reason. Mm. And there you go. Which I, I guess that wouldn't they wouldn't flush them down the pipes because they just didn't have any pipes back yeah. then. So. Yeah just uh, throw Vanessa, the I rock hope, into
2: a field and hope that you yeah. don't hit somebody
0: <laughs> and then thousands of years later some newly minted archaeologist ah, is ah. like I have found something Oh, it's the big what's the mother load and then it's a bunch of crap rocks with like Stan Stephanopoulos written on it Aaron Aaronopoulos <laughs> Aaron Aaronopoulos. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Exactly.
2: amazing well. exactly jeez and vanessa how do you feel now that you have the answer to your
1: question i feel so informed with the complete history of toilet paper that is how yeah. i'm feeling right now um yeah. and it's not surprising to me that american capitalism led, led to the birth of toilet paper nope. and medicinal um, so we, quackery and yeah, medicinal quackery um, mm-hmm. so we can just all spend more money on toilet paper i bought a 12 pack today 23 dollars
0: Oh my gosh! Ooh. Wow. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of these um, articles, by the way, came out right when the pandemic uh, caused the massive mm. toilet paper shortage. When clearly people really cared, and yeah. writers were like, "What content can we make?" We can cash Which in I thought on was this? fascinating. That's so funny. Yeah.
2: Well, let's uh, all ponder our bottoms while we take a quick break and come right back. If you've turned into this. Turned into it? And <laughs> you've turned you turned into one. You've
0: turned into a science comedy podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm a podcast. Am I going to be late to work?
2: If you're tuned into this science and comedy podcast, chances are that you are someone who loves
0: learning and
2: having a blast while doing
0: it. If it wasn't clear, Trace and I are the same way. We thrive on learning new things because it not only enriches our lives, helps us learn new skills, but also makes us really cool at parties. Is that what we are at parties? Aren't we? We are, right? We're cool. I
2: mean, when you're at my house and I'm at your house, definitely, but like, oh, uh, their houses
0: anyway (laughs) this is all to say i am super excited about our new sponsor brilliant yay can i kind of get a little like you know in my feels for a second oh yeah get those feels elaborate please hey i see what you did there i am exactly the kind of person that brilliant was made for i have always been interested in math physics computer science when i had the chance to study these things in college years ago i was also really intimidated by them yeah and i avoided taking these classes and honestly i regret it i'm going back now i'm taking classes at my local community college i'm loving it yeah But with a family and work, traditional classes like that, I'm finding them really hard to actually fit into my life. So I was really excited when you told me that Brilliant was going to be a sponsor. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, by the way, out there. It's an interactive learning platform with so many lessons on topics that I always wanted to explore. And I can do them at my own pace, on my schedule, and in a way that keeps me engaged. You
2: can learn by doing on their website or with their mobile apps. And there are thousands of different interactive lessons in STEM Subjects all across the platform. Their
0: lessons are engaging and interactive.
2: You can brush up on like algebra or advanced math, multivariable calculus, differential equations, computer science,
0: Python programming. You can even learn about cutting edge stuff like large language models, neural networks, the things that are powering AI today.
2: Large language models, really big right now.
0: <laughs> large language models. You can learn large language <laughs> models. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only Gaelic, though. The large language that you can learn is Gaelic. Yeah, ship that. I'm in. We can finally communicate with the
2: Scots. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Wherever you are in your learning journey, there is a brilliant course that will help you get to the next level or, you know, just be basic enough to get you an understanding that you can go and work
0: with. Yeah, they're always adding new courses too. They just launched a ton of lessons focused on analyzing data.
2: That's cool. That's really cool. I
0: think the world would be a better place if everyone had to take a stats class.
2: Oh, totally.
0: And if you haven't taken one, Here's your chance.
2: You could just go take a statistics class and make Julian so, so happy.
0: I would appreciate that. Try it out. You can try Brilliant for free for 30 days. Just visit brilliant.org absurd or click the link in the show notes.
2: Once again, that's brilliant.org absurd. When you sign up, you'll get 20% off the annual premium subscription, and it supports the show, even just trying it out.
0: So go ahead check it out maybe get sucked into a few lessons Trace and I are going to be here with the rest of the episode when you get back if you get back
2: oh I hope you get back
0: they come back and they know more than us about everything (laughs) they're just like these guys are idiots (laughs) their brains are the size the huge brain coming out of their cranium I've absorbed all knowledge why do I
2: listen to this podcast of
0: dummies I have no time for your absurd (laughs) antics
2: But I would definitely take one on large
0: language models. A Scottish AI robot that nobody can understand. (laughs) (laughs) Sonny, turn on the
2: lights!
0: (laughs) Sonny! I'm the
2: burglar alarm. (laughs) It supports the show. It'll be great.
0: Hello and welcome back to That's Absurd. Please elaborate. For my question, I talked about the history of toilet paper, so hopefully you all know your... Now, But now we're going to move on to our guest's question, Vanessa Hill. Can you tell us, first of all, uh, what the question is and who asked it?
1: I have far less puns in my repertoire than you do, Julian. We all do. This question is from Aaron H., and we actually have the audio of Aaron asking this question.
2: Hi, my name is Aaron from Texas, and I just wanted to know with just a little chunk of my tissue and blood, how much could an alien figure out about what humans are and look like, and specifically, what about me could they find out? It's very personal, Aaron. Does this, like, does Aaron have a chunk that he's, like, put in a jar?
0: (laughs) On a rocket. Sent
2: into space <laughs> on a weather like, balloon. What could they <laughs> No.
0: I think it's rude he didn't send it to us so we could start deconstructing Ew. in a lab. Right. I think that's why you want to
1: start getting in the mail. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What if we were like, well, Aaron, you're six foot two with blonde hair and blue <laughs> eyes. You live in just like totally list his address and like. Oh, God. Oh, and you've got three overdue library books, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, you got to get those back. But good for you for supporting your local library. Yeah, <laughs> amazing.
1: So I, I love how specific this question is because it kind of assumes that a very specific set of events have happened, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have left a chunk of tissue and blood, but recently enough, in my interpretation of this question, for this to work, that it would still be live cells right so you can kind of like still use that material to work things out except your body isn't anywhere nearby because then the alien could just find you and figure out what you look like from that so you've like lost a finger and gotten on a spacecraft and left the planet and then the aliens have arrived that that is just the kind of basis that everyone needs to be on board with for this to work
0: he was doing some amateur rocketry on the 4th of july and like it, it it it, the rocket blew a finger off and it also achieved escape velocity because he just packed that puppy with a bunch of M-80s yeah. from the, the nearby fireworks stand and now it's traveling through interstellar space. <laughs> Somehow. But that's what happened.
1: Something like that. that. That's what we're imagining. And then the second yeah. assumption is that these aliens are badass scientists. Mm. Like Princess Shuri from Black Panther. Like sure. that level yeah. badass scientist. Cool. Okay so with all of those things considered it turns out that the aliens could actually find out quite a lot by using certain cells and this certain type of cell um it doesn't have any function so it's not like a skin or a muscle cell cells that it's a type of cell that other cells come from Mm -hmm. and i'm just going to pause to see if you have any guesses lightning round
0: a cell that they stem from. Ooh, oh wow!
1: wow. wow. Like wow.
0: a like a, but specifically, if we're talking about Aaron as an adult, right? There'd be they'd be multipotent stem cells as opposed to pluripotent. Or am I getting those we'll mixed get, up?
1: We will get there. Basically, it's just um, stem cells. Sorry, Julian, I should have given you a two-word limit on your answer. Yeah. Um, ah.
0: sorry. <laughs>
1: stem. Uh, eh. stem.
0: Sorry, and you lose. <laughs> (laughs)
1: Um, so stem cells seem magical to me because they're just so cool and it seems like they can do so much so there's two main types of stem cells and one julian just kind of mentioned they're called pluripotent stem cells and that is like an early embryo cell that can basically turn into anything so let's like you know, go back to the birds and the bees. And when someone with female reproductive organs releases an egg... That egg is one cell. So we all came from one single cell, which is kind of crazy. And then uh, when that gets fertilized over the course of the next five days after fertilization, it develops into about 50 to 150 cells. And then following that, everything in our bodies is created from those cells. So stem cells, again, magical and crazy while being very scientific. The other type of stem cell are adult stem cells. And I'm just going to read the description of these from the NIH because it's, it's great. Um, I'll try to do my best Trace Dominguez's voice. <laughs> Throughout the life of the organism, populations of adult stem cells serve as an internal repair system that generates replacement for cells that are lost through normal wear and tear, injury or disease. So basically... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's, wow That was a
2: great impression Julian fell on the floor While you were talking Julian fell so on the floor So
1: basically our our adult stem cells Are keeping our bodies healthy And functional And all of that good stuff Great okay. It's like you cloned Trace You took a bunch of stem cells And you made a second trace That's <laughs> that was good first I started with the stem cell and then over a period of time I was able to clone trace <laughs>
0: yes by by sure by slowly collecting bits of his shoulder hair we yeah. Oh, to... and there's a lot of that it's everywhere <laughs> it's the one thing he wouldn't notice being missing true
1: Okay, so we have these little baby stem cells that can become anything. And then we have these adult stem cells that just kind of exist in our body to keep us healthy. So that that was right. where we're coming from.
2: Sure. And gotcha. then
1: in 2006, cast your mind back to 2006. Wow. Back in the day. We were all drunk. Sure. Listening point. to Fallout Boy. Constantly. Yeah. I don't
0: know if yeah. I was listening.
1: Exactly. To fall out boy. Um, uh, taking so
0: MySpace pictures. Okay, I'm there. I'm in it. Early
1: Facebook. In 2006. Uh, researchers figure out how to reprogram adult stem cells back into these pluripotent stem cells, into the baby stem cells that are in the embryo state. So they reprogrammed these cells and they called them induced pluripotent stem cells. So IPSCS is how they're abbreviated in all the scientific papers. Maybe we could just, for the purposes of this, call them
2: Ipsics. Yeah, Ipsix. Ipsix.
1: Mm, so by reprogramming, they introduce only a few genes, and then these uh, magically transform into pluripotent stem cells. And so the Japanese researcher that was kind of behind this discovery, his name is Shinya Yamanaka. He won a Nobel Prize for this in 2012. And when I was reading this, I thought, isn't that a fast turnaround for a Nobel Prize? Like six years. After this research has come out You're winning a Nobel Prize Like, that's snappy
2: Yeah, yeah. that is fast Rosalind I don't know Franklin, how long... yeah. she's
1: still waiting for her Nobel Prize Rosalind's Like, 50 gonna, years she later She
2: needs one She's going to get a Lifetime <laughs> Achievement Nobel Prize They're going to wait, you know, and eventually Like the author, they'll be like We should have given you one a long time ago But we'll give you the Lifetime Achievement Nobel Prize <laughs> Yeah, exactly uh, yeah.
1: So the thing about these IPSICs Mm. Is that how we said we were going to yeah, say Ip6. them? Ipsics yeah, That makes sense. Is that you can make them grow into anything, any tissue in the body? So, question for you, Trace. Imagine you have a petri dish with one of these baby stem cells. What do you grow?
2: If I personally do, mm-hmm. shoulder hair.
1: <laughs> you just want to grow more shoulder hair. Look, he
2: I wouldn't have this be satisfied. much if I didn't like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need more. It just demands more. <laughs>
2: I think maybe Yeah. I think fast twitch muscles would be cool. They're neat.
1: Ooh, yeah, that would be really cool. cool. And
2: I thought I've been thinking about them a lot because of my question, which we'll get to later.
0: <laughs> like you said, right? Imagining this is, you know, Aaron H.'s finger that the aliens found and they reprogrammed these adult stem cells to multipotent. Mm-hmm. They could just make another Aaron. Oh, entirely. we'll get to that, Julian.
1: We will get to Ooh. that. Yeah. First I have a side note. About how some of this research has been used, which I I think is cool. There's a caveat, though, because this research is about developing therapies for autism, which is quite Mm -hmm. a controversial area. Mm -hmm. Because people in the autism community believe that their autism is a gift. Um, There's a lot of community advocates that say they don't need to be fixed with therapies and and use that kind of, you know, quote unquote fixed language. Mm -hmm. Um, But at a science research level, it's interesting to just understand more about all of our biology in general. So I will dive Mm -hmm. with that caveat. Mm -hmm. I will dive into this side note. So there's this neurobiologist uh, whose name is Alison Miotry. And he is the director of stem cells at UCSD. I assume there's probably like a lab or an institute or something in there. I have just written director of stem cells. And <laughs> He's the guy who
0: tells him what to do. <laughs> exactly. You, <laughs> you're going to be a liver. And the stem cells like,
2: but what's my motivation? <laughs> yes,
0: director. <laughs> Can't work with these adult stem cells. They were child stem cells and now they're adult stem cells and they're just so inflexible.
1: And Motri was trying to look at differences in brain cells between kids who have autism and kids that don't. So this is a kind of hard thing to do with any kind of brain research, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's a kid, like you can't just take a neuron out of a child, you know? So he had to get creative as a lot of scientists are. And he asked parents to send him their children's baby teeth. And he, this sounds so weird and slightly creepy, Ended up collecting over 300 teeth from all around the world from kids with and without autism. He's the tooth fairy. He is the real tooth fairy. He's the real tooth fairy. Yeah, my mum actually used to write me these quite creative notes about things that these grand projects that the tooth fairy was planning and using my teeth for, and I like to imagine that this could have been one of those that I I would receive.
0: Studying autism. Wow, and they're compensating us for it? That's cool. Way to go, two fairies.
1: So then what they did in this lab is they removed the cells from the dental pulp, which is in the centers of the baby teeth. And Mm -hmm. he reprogrammed those cells to convert them back into stem cells, the type of cells that the teeth grew from in the first place. And then he adds a cocktail they add because i assume he has a lot of postdocs doing this he then adds a cocktail of chemicals to trigger these stem cells to develop into neurons these stem cells have cool. now become brain cells isn't that that's just it blows my mind that like that awesome. you can make a brain cell from someone's yeah. tooth. insane yeah, yeah. insane wow Science is cool, cool.
2: Yeah, very
1: cool. And now you can compare the neurons from two groups of children because you have the neurons from kids with autism and and those from kids without. Um, And you didn't have
0: to cut into a single skull to do it.
1: Exactly. So cool.
0: No fun at all. So cool. No fun
1: at all. Um, And what he found was that in the teeth of the kids with autism, there were fewer synapses, so the number of connections between the neurons than those without. Mm. Um, As someone who is more of a behaviorist, I would argue that maybe it doesn't tell you that much, but it's an interesting neuroscience finding, and for those people who are interested in exploring therapies, there's kind of, you know, some... uh, science that can come out of there that may be useful for that so Mm. that was my side note so to answer the question the question is um what could an alien figure out about what humans are and look like and specifically what could they find out about me so there are i'd say four main things one the aliens could find out how your brain cells work they could look at your brain cells they could figure out how many synapses you have they could get right in there in your brain right two Mm -hmm. they could make a tooth Mm -hmm. if that was something that they were interested in if you wanted to have a few more teeth you know just make chewing things easier you could make a tooth Uh, number three you could grow a human in an artificial womb hypothetically wow from a stem cell and then number four, you could grow multiple humans in multiple artificial wombs and watch them interact in a really strange way because you wouldn't have any human parental influence in your life if you were one of these lab-grown humans in an alien world. So you would be biologically human, but behaviorally a bit alien.
2: More like, like an alien Tarzan. Tar-Zalian. Exactly. Tarzalian. Like tar-Zan.
1: <gasps>
2: tarzalian is a good, I would, ooh, I, I would write that. A tarzalian? Come on. Ooh, tarzalian. That's tar-Zalian. a free idea ooh. out there. Yeah. You could wow. be the
1: next Andy Weir with that idea. I could be. Yeah.
0: It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good.
1: And that is my answer to Aaron. That's
0: fantastic. Thank balls, you. Please. I. You know what I'm really curious about is... Um, I think it's a kind of a misconception that a lot of people who haven't studied biology have that like a brain cell and a skin cell don't all have the same DNA, but they do. They all have the same complete human genome. And it's just a question of like what genes are active and being expressed versus what are not. So what's interesting to me is if they they got... You know, the DNA itself, but no context and like didn't understand what triggered certain genes to switch on or off or whatever. Like what kind of on their way to cloning Aaron H. and making another copy of him. What kind of like horrible vat monsters are they going to make by accident as they like tinker? And this is what you can
1: explore in your debut novel, Tarzalian Tarzalian. (laughs) I do want to add that Stem cells are pretty massively Overhyped in a lot of areas Of treatment Not all but Mm -hmm. some And I want to shout out my friend Science Sam on Instagram Who did her PhD research on stem cells She's a super expert in it Because what I gave you was a very General overview But if you want the most accurate information Go follow Science Sam
2: Yeah she's amazing, she's really awesome Um, That was super cool. Uh, It's weird that if an alien got a chunk of your finger from a 4th of July mishap, they could (laughs) then grow a new Aaron. So good luck, Aaron. And if that happened to you, um, when the Aaron army arrives, just (laughs) hope that they recognize you for their daddy.
0: Yeah, they'll know. They'll know you by your missing finger, and they'll recognize <laughs> oh you as Oh my God! Their Tarzalian
2: leader. has the best ending now. They turn it all does, the things. They send the Tarzalians down, and they go to invade his. It's got to be like an individual farmhouse, you know, interstellar style, or where. Science yeah. style, yes. surrounded by corn. Aaron is
1: played and by Aaron, Chris Pine.
2: Right, and comes out with one <laughs> with one index finger missing, and is like yeah. holding a shovel, and is like no, and the Tarzalians are like, bla, 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 and he's like, oh my god! <laughs> and then they Aaron all hug. Prime. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, the music swells. I can see it. I can see. It. With that, let's come back from a break in a minute.
1: And we are back. We just answered my question about aliens and stem cells and teeth and fingers and all kinds of fun things. And it is now Trace's question. Trace, what have you got?
2: Okay. So this question was submitted to us by a listener, Jaren K. Uh, And Jaron asked, how strong could a gorilla be if it knew proper bodybuilding techniques?
0: (laughs) Oh.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then the additional context added was, "I said what I said." <laughs> um, is fair. So, I have an answer for this. I hope it is satisfying because this one I found really interesting to to grab onto. Um, does anybody have any predictions before I get into it?
0: A a a gorilla that knows how to properly use gym equipment. Right uh i'm gonna go with a double gorilla like a gorilla gorilla wow i I think
1: it's definitely possible to train a gorilla to do this like there was this gorilla called coco i believe who knew over 300 words and could communicate and things like that so i think that definitely possible and i think it would just be like a big gorilla but a bit more swole that's Mm. my guess
2: swole gorilla swole gorilla
1: love Love that That's the follow-up to Tarzalian, (laughs) Skullrilla. Yeah, it would just become a gym bro. Like, that would just be its energy.
0: Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, some are great apes and some are greater apes. Oh, God. Uh, He's got it it on a poster in his workout room in his garage, doesn't he? Oh, no. Uh,
1: So, Trace, how uh, strong is a gorilla at baseline?
0: Great point. That's
2: an excellent question. There are various ways that animal researchers use to determine strength in primates. Um, Things like a jump test where they'll literally like, you know, put a treat up high and they have to jump to get it. There's like the pull test, which they'll give them some bar and train them to pull it. Um, those, those kind of tests, you know, obviously there's no easy way to be like, show me your strongest whatever, right? The gorillas aren't necessarily, the usually chimpanzees and bonobos actually aren't going to do these tests all out 100%. They're going to do it to get the treat that they've been trained to. But mm. bonobos were uh, tempted and trained to jump in front of a camera, and they have a standing jump height in these tests of 0.7 meters. Uh, Or about 28 inches. And an average human, like a good human jumper, you know, basketball player, Olympians, they can jump much higher. But the average person will jump about 20 inches. So uh, an ape who is much shorter than us and has much different leg morphology can jump higher than we can. A gorilla at a Japanese zoo was recorded jumping 0.8 meters or about 31 inches, which Hmm. is quite high. Like that's a lot even for people. Um and you're like oh 31 to 20 doesn't seem like that many inch difference that's a third more like imagine being like hey i've just jumped my highest okay cool now do that 30% better it's just that's a lot more gorillas are
0: so heavy they right are they're so, so- they heavy. have such
1: strong legs though. They're very muscular. Yeah, they're so super muscular. I believe that they can they can Okay.
0: Yeah, you got to you got to fight all that mass. <laughs> That's
2: right. Uh and so yeah. in a pull test, uh, a lot of a lot of people were citing this 1924 Bronx Zoo pull test of a chimpanzee, and I couldn't find the original, but the oldest I could find, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records in the 1980s and they had a citation from the 1950s version or 60s version or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh Apparently, at the, chim- uh, the chimpanzee at the Bronx Zoo pulled a dynamometer um, and pulled it 847 pounds, or about 387 kilograms, just pulling it. Uh, it was wow. the, the chimp was like 125 pounds or 150 pound chimp. The human of the same weight can pull about 200 pounds. Another chimp named Suzette pulled in a quote fit of rage. And was able to manage twelve hundred and sixty pounds or five hundred and seventy yes, kilograms. Suzette. So yeah, you get right. That. That's up, Suzette.
1: Yeah. Um
2: so and that is the largest primate pole ever measured.
0: And here's the thing. We don't know if these primates are particularly it's spectacular specimens, That's right? right? Like they're just the two they had in the zoo. That's right. They might have been average. They might be weaklings in the chimp You world, Never know for all we know. Oh, yeah. my gosh, that's terrifying.
2: So that's mostly chimps, you know, right? I've only cited one gorilla. The thing is, gorillas don't, we don't train them as well. They're actually, so chimps are our closest cousin, as well as bonobos in the primate world. It's humans with chimps and bonobos being quite close together, genetically speaking, or, you know, taxonomically, really. And then gorillas are our next closest Cousin. But they're just different enough that we don't interact with them as much in studies. However, in the book Up From Ape by Ernest Houghton, he writes about a 1940s researcher named Robert Yerkes, uh, who had a 120-pound, 54-kilogram female gorilla pull 240 pounds, or about twice her weight, 108 kilograms. Um, but then he said in the book, they, quote, did not even half-try. So, like, a gorilla just walked up to a bar and was like, ugh. Like, pulled it and got twice their weight without trying that much.
0: A, a fairly small gorilla, too. You said yeah. she's 120 pounds? Yeah, she so was like pretty small. probably a juvenile or, like, yeah. Right. So, gorillas are wow. considered
2: significantly stronger than chimps. They are much larger than chimps. And they're considered the strongest primate and... As a reminder, we are a primate. Although I do want to point out, gorillas are not one species. They're a genus with two different species and two subspecies as of 2001 when they were last reclassified. And I really love, Julian, that you said that they would be a double gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. because the species of gorilla is gorilla gorilla, which is a Western gorilla, and the gorilla beringei, which is the Eastern gorilla. And the strongest subspecies of gorilla is Gorilla beringii beringii, the mountain gorilla. (laughs) However, there is also the gorilla gorilla gorilla, which is the most scientifically specific as possible. It's a specific type of Western lowland gorilla.
0: Lowland gorilla. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I was waiting for it.
2: (laughs) But the mountain gorilla is the one that we consider. We call the silverback gorilla. They get it, uh, silver hair on their back Ooh, when they're they in their so teen big. years. They're humongous. Yeah. We're talking like five hundred pounds. You know, mm-hmm. like what is that in kilograms? I don't know. A lot. It's a lot of kilograms. Uh, one thousand one. I have. I have uh, no, a conversion. Yeah, right. I went the wrong way. Divide by. It's like two forty. Yeah. 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 I have it. Divide by down two point two. Yeah. So, the GBB silverback is the strongest primate. Um, also, I do want to just cut back a minute to Jaron's question. How strong could a gorilla be if it knew proper bodybuilding techniques? I love to to Google all the words in a person's question to make sure that I understand what they all mean. Bodybuilding has nothing to do with strength at all, really. So when yeah. you think of a bodybuilder... You probably think of like somebody like posing like on a beach with all their muscles oh, flared, oily. covered in Schwarzenegger. oil. Schwarzenegger is exactly yeah. who I thought of as well. Yeah. Bodybuilding is about is a sport of judgment and aesthetics mm-hmm. more than strength. Obviously, you're gonna gain mm-hmm. strength in bodybuilding. I'm not gonna say that you wouldn't. However, you're goal in bodybuilding is to pose in a choreographed set of ways that can be scored by judges. And you're trying to get symmetrical, conditioned, sizable muscle. And it's not really about just lifting things really heavy. Uh, But I just want to take a minute and imagine a shaved oily gorilla in oh,
0: yeah.
1: a
2: really small...
1: In a thong.
2: Bit of underwear. Yeah, yeah. like a thong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like yeah. doing those strongman competition, Like, ooh.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh. It's interesting oh. to consider the gorilla's motivation, right? Because yes. for bodybuilders, like, people hypothetically you find that attractive and it's more of a like mating type of ritual that we have like working out and getting buff and stuff like that right so Mm -hmm. the gorillas would have to take on board some of that like there needs to be some driver for them to want to get buff which is probably going to be sex
2: i mean that's why we do it uh or ostensibly anyway but I, I did want to get to the spirit of his question, so I focused more on the strong stuff, like the strongest man in the world. If you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, right, he's not the strongest man in the world, but he is a very good professional bodybuilder who became famous in the United States. Not the most professional, or not the most famous bodybuilder within their community, but the strongest people in the world. If you look at, if you went and Googled pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, and the strongest people in the world, it would be like Magnus Ver Magnussen and and, and Half Thor Julius Bjornson. I Googled some of them. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, wasn't Magnus von Magnusson the mountain in Game of Thrones? Uh, well, he was the strongest
2: man in the world in 1996 mid-1990s. Oh, so I wouldn't not think that one, so because but... he would be quite old now. Um, I can't remember that guy's name. But anyway, they don't look the same, right? A gorilla actually looks a lot more like somebody like Vassal Virastuk or Brian Shaw than <laughs> like the strongest people in the world in a couple of different competitions than they would like Arnold Schwarzenegger because they're not actually trying to be bodybuilders. They're not really trying to be anything but gorillas. Um, but there, as of today, there have been no experiments that you can find, that I could find at least, directly comparing gorillas to humans. Um, you know, if we were in a hypothetical gorilla-human battle, which I know for some reason men really love to pretend that they could survive, we would not. Uh, their arms are longer than ours relative to their height. Um, the average human is one-to-one ratio of wingspan to height. So if you're a six foot tall human, you probably have a six foot wide wingspan.
1: Love to know that. Just, yeah. uh, Or it's always good to just have some awareness of your wingspan.
2: Yeah, and like, so that's why Michael Phelps is considered one of the things. They're like, oh, he's genetically, he's such a good swimmer because his wingspan is longer than his height. Um, he <laughs> it's just slightly longer. So if a six foot tall human had a wingspan like a gorilla, it would be nine and a half feet. Mm. Why? You would wow. have a nine and a half foot wingspan. Because gorillas arms to a one and a half meter tall gorilla is 2.4 meters. (laughs) So you're never going to get close enough to a gorilla to hit one because they're going to just hit you. They have an eight foot wingspan, even though they're only five feet tall. So something else about this is gorillas have thicker fur, tougher skin, so punching them is not going to help you. Having a lower center of gravity is a really big advantage for them, so you're not going to knock them over. They have opposable thumbs so they can grab and crush and throw things. They have fangs, though they are mostly for display or getting the bark off trees cuz gorillas are mostly vegetarians. They could bite you, uh, and also they are wild animals. So unlike in a experimental situation where they're going to maybe hold back, they're not giving you 100%. In a fight, they're not going to not give 100% because for them it's about survival. If they don't fight you tooth and nail literally, then they may die. That's how animals work. They're instinctual fighters. They're not just doing this for like, I don't know, purse money.
0: The thought of fighting a gorilla is making my heart rate mm-hmm. elevate. Yeah, it's not Just great. like considering. Mm. No, no, yeah, no. I mean, yeah.
2: So, um, When you compare humans to gorillas, you can't really compare them directly is sort of what I'm getting at. That said, we can try because we do have examples of humans doing really awesome lifting. Jimmy Kolb set the human record for lifting uh, in 2023 when he uh, bench pressed 1,400 pounds or about 635 kilograms. Julian, I'm going to send you this, this clip. I want you to... Tell me what you think.
0: All right, I've opened it up. Heaviest bench press of all time. Okay, there's a person on a bench with a lot of weights that are making the bar bend. Yeah. Oh, geez. This is making me uncomfortable. And they push at 1,401 pound. And they're struggling, and apparently they succeeded. Right. Even though it looked like it barely moved <laughs> from, from where I was standing.
2: <laughs> Did it look easy? I think is my point here. No. Right.
0: No, certainly not. Yeah.
2: And and did the man, though, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Not even a little. Right. So he's like <laughs> barrel chested and his arms are really big. So gorillas yeah. are already built like that. That's, that's what they yeah. look like. Right. They, they are the commonly cited stat for a gorilla. A large silverback male should be able to lift about 10 times their body weight. So if you think of a gorilla, which is, you know, 500 pounds or like 240 kilos, they're lifting, you know, or like they're, they're lifting up to 4,000 pounds, they're lifting 1,800 kilograms. You know, just maybe if they're trying as hard as possible, they could do that. The average is going to be less, but even the average is more than what humans can do at the top of our game. Um, The Guinness Book of World Records also estimates that a gorilla could lift about 2,000 pounds in that same, like, 1924 writing that they were talking about. That's almost double the human record holder, Mr. Cole. So it's redonkulous. 4,000 pounds is lifting a rhinoceros. Uh, just the gorilla just lifting it up. Two silverback gorillas putting an elephant on a platform and lifting it. Just two of them. Like that's crazy to think about. They would
0: make incredible like movers. They would.
2: Oh man, you can move your whole house. Just have a few gorillas. <laughs> oh, they could pick gosh. up the whole house and take it with you.
0: Oh great great apes moving company. Would somebody get on that? That's what we need to train them to do. How to pick up two apes and a my furniture. Two apes in a truck. <laughs> How to pick it up without scratching the floor, and that's it. <laughs> will be minting money.
2: So there's a variety of different studies that have tried to look at the comparison because it's something that humans are obsessed with. Um, And if you look at studies from like the 1940s and and such, you're going to get answers that are like, oh, well, obviously humans are the best and I believe that chimps' strength has been overstated. But then when you get to the modern day, they're like, no, nah, they're just like 1.3 and 1.5 times stronger than us if they're chimps. Yeah. Gorillas are 6 to 10 times stronger. or And some estimates are like one gorilla equals 20 average people. And you can see this when you look at gorillas just doing things in the wild. They pull down trees. You know, when they fight each other, the people who are present to see it and film it are saying that you can feel them hitting each other. Like in zoos, they can break glass that's huge, like thick glass. They can just Mm -hmm. smash it um, when they try. And that's just how they they are very, very strong. So to Vanessa's point from earlier, if we could drop like human understanding into their brains about what Strength training is. Would they be able to do what we do? What what would that gorilla gorilla look like? Right. The yeah, double gorilla. Exactly.
1: Exactly. How,
0: how much stronger would they get? Really. Right. And, realistically. And so
2: all the things we know about humans about growing muscle mass, it doesn't really apply to gorillas. Not just from a mechanical perspective, but other ways too, like nutrition. You can't just. Put protein Mm -hmm. powder in your shakes to bulk up when you're a gorilla because gorillas, depending on the species, are mostly vegetarian. They eat like 140 different types of plants and a few different fruits and termites and ants when the species that do eat uh, not plants. And in the wild, like I said, they pull down trees to get the fruit, um, which, by the way, if you remember our episode from a few weeks back, that makes them a keystone species because they pull down the trees and that affects the environment and other animals and stuff get to kind of feast on that too. Uh, oh, well look at that. Yeah, neat, right? Gorillas have a digestive tract that's very long and they have gut bacteria that converts cellulose into omega three fatty acids. Mm, Humans cannot do that. Okay. Like we we could not eat what they eat, even though they're eating like eighteen kilos of it a day. Um But they're just eating plant material and they're converting it into stuff that can be used to build muscle mass and stuff. Like our nutrition system is most of strength training, bodybuilding, fitness in general. It's about the nutrition part as well as the lifting weights part. It's not just like give a gorilla a bunch of weights, train it how to use it, and it's going to be swole. Like that's not enough. It needs to do other things too
0: there there's that and then there's even the question for me it's like because their environment like they're living in a uh forgive this joke but like basically a jungle gym yeah. yes. right like they're already doing a lot of physical exertion just as like the necessities of survival in their environment so like it's like they're at the gym all the time like you think you're putting in hours like right. you know at the at the, at the rack or on the treadmill or whatever and it's like that's just the, the wake up and grind set for a gorilla that's right it wakes you know? up
2: and it it's when it's playing it has to lift itself up off the ground they build nests by mm-hmm. the way interestingly gorillas build nests both in trees <laughs> and on the ground so they build this nest and they go sleep in it they have to like climb a 500 pound you know 200 kilo gorilla has to climb a tree to get to its bed yeah imagine if you had to climb a tree to get to your bed every day if you had to climb every around, single day you had until to swing i died around <laughs> to get anywhere you were going you had to swing because your legs are kind of short so it's actually easier for you to like grab things so you walk but not that often your arms are going to be so toned they're gonna be so strong that's a gorilla like every day that's average gorilla yeah so like is every day bro this is all day and so aside from nutrition their exercises they, they jump well they can attack when they need to they're mostly docile actually um they they have really strong bite strength uh they can crack a coconut with their teeth um That makes sense. Yeah. And if you remember our chimpanzee episode a few episodes ago about fast twitch versus slow twitch muscles... Uh, gorillas mm-hmm. are mostly fast twitch muscles. It's a, in one of their calf muscles, a study was done, and they, were, they found about 85% fast twitch muscles. Uh, so just as a recap, your muscles have a couple different types of fibers in them. Slow twitch are long endurance muscles. Fast twitch are fatigue quickly but are very powerful and strong. And so gorillas are mostly... The fast, powerful, con- strong contractions. Yikes! They don't run marathons, but they could crush things. They can punch and really do damage if they need to. Yikes. there are like records of gorillas taking car tires and just smushing them like a figure eight for wow. fun. And they just wow. do it over See, and over again. They're just doing CrossFit for yeah, fun. They just do it for they fun. They do CrossFit
0: they don't fun. Don't for care. fun. They don't even care. That's it. No problem oh, for a gorilla. Oh, that's cool. You flipped a car tire around. A gorilla is just like oh, yeah, yeah. I played with that
2: toy yesterday you know it's just like it doesn't
0: you want care. recognition for that right. like
2: <laughs> so our our exercises are great for humans so even if we dropped our knowledge of bodybuilding powerlifting all of these things into a gorilla they would just be like yeah okay I can, I can lift all that stuff. It's not necessarily going to be the same. And it, it even gets down to, like, not even just knowing them and having the correct nutrition, but gorilla shoulders aren't the same as ours. Their construction isn't the same. Their legs don't work the same. Their necks, their heads don't work the same. I read some studies um, because I'm I want to preface a little bit I'm not a like kinesiologist I'm also not a primatologist Mm -hmm. if you were both of those things you might be able to design something that a gorilla human brained bodybuilder could do but like you can't just throw them on a bench press at the at the planet fitness and hope and be like oh cool you got this like those machines were designed specifically for the species that that uses them and we even release new studies all the time about our own ability to build muscle So imagine if a whole other species showed up and wanted to target a muscle group, like you'd need to know how their shoulders worked how their muscle attaches to those shoulders and at what points because it's different than ours. Their joints Mm. have different lever actions. Like their hip joints are different. They are deeper in some places. Uh, And then of course nutrition and stuff like that. I can't do a pull-up. I've never been able to really do them. But a 500 pound, (laughs) 220 kilogram gorilla can do them all day. You know, they swing themselves around. They can lift themselves up. We need a whole new discipline is what I'm saying to really understand what a gorilla bodybuilder might even look like sidebar just for fun gorilla bone density
0: is also higher
2: so they can't they don't break their bones as often but they also they also can't swim because they're too dense they don't have any buoyancy which is really interesting
0: that makes a lot of sense to me right because like they're so strong but like when you when you contract a muscle like you need your bone to be the thing the muscle pulls on, yes. right? Like it's not just contracting in a vacuum. And like if you if your bone is is more dense, you can have stronger muscles. I was going to bring up when you said they can bite into a coconut that makes perfect sense to me because when you look at a gorilla skull it's got that ridge on the top and that's there to anchor muscle to it like more jaw bones yes. so when it contracts you have a much stronger bite that's force right compared that's to a totally human.
2: right yeah and it's why their their brow ridge is much more uh, pronounced than ours is um I think Mm -hmm. that's a really great point that I read about as well and was like, oh, that totally makes sense. So in the end, this is one of the many times when I like to say more research is needed, right? Like there's just – it's almost like I know this podcast is about answering silly questions. This one is so silly, but it's also like I think I've answered it. Like how strong would it be if it knew bodybuilding techniques? It would be – probably the same level of strong at first and over time as they invented new techniques would it bulk up yeah maybe but who knows how much more like there's no way to know because we can't ask a gorilla if it's as strong as you know the other gorilla or the strongest version of itself or whatever
0: honestly what i'm getting from all this is that if you took a gorilla and taught it how we humans bodybuild in light of the fact that you know we've covered that bodybuilders are not really built for strength we they're get, more built yeah, for appearance what you mean, yeah yeah and that and that like you know gorilla muscles and body physiology are different so techniques aren't going to be as effective or even effective i think you get a weaker gorilla hmm. which was not the answer i was expecting but to me, that's where it all seems to be going, right? Like a gorilla out in the wild, actually doing stuff that requires crazy great ape strength. It's it's built for that. You go and make it all like sexy gorilla Schwarzenegger, and it's it's not going to be as strong as its wild, honestly, uh, counterparts. That's what it sounds like to me.
2: Honestly, I totally see where you're coming from because it would be focusing on symmetry and aesthetics, and like if it's yeah. a bodybuilding gorilla, yeah, it's probably not yeah. going to be as strong because it wouldn't want its arms to be really big and in the rest of it to be not so strong it'd yeah. wanna be, it'd wanna it want to be it want to be a different aesthetic
0: yeah you get that like slim waist right yeah. like unlike the power lifters that are built like barrels so their their trunks can support all that weight they're lifting well now that gorilla can't lift as much because just its, it's back and its core muscles can't support right. this giant right. weight yeah. you know yeah but the other gorilla ladies think it's real sexy oh,
2: so sexy
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you should maybe
2: cast it in some movies conan the gorilla Mm -hmm. the
0: gorilla the gorilla bachelor in paradise
2: (laughs) um i actually thought about this too as a way to like wrap up this question is i think uh because gorillas prefer not to fight they're not aggressive they don't they defend themselves and they defend their social groups but they don't actually defend their territory they're not even though they Mm -hmm. have large territories they don't really defend them um I think this is I think a gorilla that understood in a human capacity for like bulking up and stuff. It would be the closest thing we have to the Hulk in real life, but like sm- but like Whoa. smart Hulk. You know, it'd be like super super mm. strong. Probably doesn't fight. Just you know, mm. not not angry. Just chill and docile. Mark Ruffalo in a gorilla body. That's that's what that's once, what we got. Once he's got it under right. control, it's just yeah. like— yeah, I do Just sitting that. around, munching on some, munching on some vegetables because they're vegetarians, because, you know, they're just hanging out. And then, or, you know, that, just chilling, man, just chilling. Giving tacos to Ant-Man, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, to answer the question, what would happen if you taught a gorilla bodybuilding? It would give Paul Rudd tacos. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Solved it. Put that one in the win That's column. That's a big win, I think. <laughs> i see this as an absolute win as smart hulk would say as smart hulk would say
2: right after ant-man beat his pants um or pooped (laughs) to them i don't know i can't remember i'm gonna have to go and cleaned it with a stick with a poop rag (laughs) wow what an episode right we learned about poop we learned about chunks of humans we learned about
1: wings gorilla fights. yeah
0: oh my gosh (laughs) Terrifying. Terrifying all around. Okay. I'm still, the stick, the poop stick is still the thing I'm that scares me. I'm still thinking about the shell. Yeah, the shell. Just makes oh, no, no sense. The scraping no. technique. The no broken pottery. Well, oh. thank you for making me have to picture that. If you fart Vanessa. into the shell, do you hear the ocean? This
1: <laughs> is. Is that a thing that you do? That's an experiment that you could do yourself.
0: You hear the oceans on Titan because it's liquid methane. All right, that's real inside baseball. Nice. Very good. Uh, Gross. (laughs) But thank you so much, Vanessa, for being our guest this week. Uh, Where can people find you?
1: Thank you for having me. People can find me in all of the places that you follow people. On YouTube and TikTok, I am BrainCraft. And then on Instagram, I am Nessie Hill.
2: Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you for being here. Uh, So awesome.
1: Thank you for answering my question. The next time that I am in Europe or Mexico or a country where I can't flush the toilet paper, I'm going to be thinking of shells and rocks and the poop stick. Yeah,
0: and Joseph Gaiety, who apparently started this whole nightmare of worrying about clogged pipes with paper. Come on jc Gaines. and then i'll start
1: wondering who has the generational wealth that has come from the invention of toilet paper who is that person and that will be my next question for this i bet his name is scott
0: (laughs) stacy cottonell you can find me on twitter instagram wherever at hug it out h-u-g-g-e-t O-U-T. Trace, what about you? Where can, where can people find you? I'm at Trace Dominguez
2: everywhere, mostly on the threads these days, but I also use the Instagram. You can also find my YouTube channel if you want to see more sciencey things. Uh, you know, about every month I make a video or two. And then you can find this show at that'sabsurdshow.com, and if you go to that'sabsurdshow.com slash ask You can ask a question, and maybe you'll be featured on the show. You can also go to the show notes and see a lot of this information, including the websites of where to ask questions, some of our social media feeds, and all sorts of other things. So thank you so much for listening.
0: This episode of That's Absurd, Please Elaborate was written by Trace Dominguez, Julian Hugot, and Vanessa Hill, who is also our special guest, hosted by Trace and I, and produced and edited and all the little things that need attention that we don't give it. That is done by our producer and editor, Kyle Sisk. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the next That's Absurd, Please Elaborate.